Welcome to Religious Renegade Podcast. My name is Christina Carlson, and I am a life coach, podcast host, and an ex-evangelical. On this podcast, I will be interviewing people at all stages of their deconstruction journeys and sharing on topics that are relevant to living in life beyond religion. My wish for you as a listener is that you find hope and comfort here, that you are able to see yourself in these stories and to know deeply that you are not the only one. You are not a lost sheep or someone who has fallen away. You are strong and brave and willing to ask the hard questions for yourself, for your children, and for the world. If you are interested in sharing your story, please email me at christinacarlsonlifecoach at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Please note that you can be kept anonymous if you wish. Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I know you're crazy. Yeah, for sure. No, this is like, I mean, this is like what I want to be doing as opposed to like helping people that don't understand why we don't have Bud Light pick, pick a beer, you know? <laughs> that makes sense. This is like so much better. So I'm really excited. I'm really, I'm really excited that you asked me to do it. because. <laughs> okay. Well, I know a lot of people who are listening will probably already know who you are, but um, I would love for you to your name and say who you are and what you're up to like in totally. our realm yeah in our realm in the physical <laughs> realm yes as opposed to the celestial no. or astral we'll get um, to that next <laughs> yeah totally start <laughs> totally with the physical <laughs> um so yeah i'm chuck parson um i am the co-host co-founder of the life after podcast and community um so i've been uh doing, uh, I guess, some form of uh, work in the post-evangelical, post-Christian community for, let's well, since like early 2017. So um, yeah, I've just had a, a bunch of experiences in that, in that way. Back then, there were not, there were like maybe five podcasts or four podcasts about it. Um, and not, not a lot of communities. So we were like, kind of got in on the ground floor. I think the only people that were really before us was ex-evangelical. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I have a pretty interesting, unique perspective on it. Just having uh, seen the whole thing like blow up into this like actual like macro community as opposed to like a bunch of people on the internet trying to find each other. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up evangelical. Um, I became a, a liberal Christian. Uh, I became a like armchair theologian, and then I became a Christian mystic, and then I just deconstructed altogether. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. That's yeah, me, I think. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I I seem to vaguely remember us having a conversation over like instant messenger or something when I was in Bible college, and you were you were at the heart of some like crazy like house church what was going what was oh my god yeah that's a good question um so yeah so when I was okay so I grew up in a evangelical mega church I started I would honestly say that I started deconstructing probably around age 14 um it was just like a really long journey but I was part of this mega church and I realized that it was like I really was like thirsty for more Jesus you know uh, and I was like coming into the point in my life where I was like old enough to quote unquote, make my face my own, you know? Oh, yeah. um, and this is like a really, this is like a whole separate topic, but like so many millennials had that experience where they were like young teenagers and like became more devoted to Christianity than their parents. And that like, yeah. I think it's still a problem um for a lot of millennials uh because uh, boomers just don't view the religion the way that we do anyway so i started i left my parents church and joined hazelwood baptist which is where i think we met um, yeah and uh yeah and so i from there i was like sort of on my own journey and like trying to figure out that stuff on my own um, I graduated from high school. I had like kind of a faith crisis that was the result of 
a worldviews class at my very Presbyterian high school where I, the answers that they gave for why Christianity is like the, the, the best or like, you know, most believable religion were like so bad that I was like, I don't know if I believe this anymore. <laughs> so like the class had the opposite effect, you know? Yeah. And then I went to college and I got exposed to like the, this sort of like emerging, uh, like progressive side of Christianity, the, the quote unquote, like emerging church or emergent church. Um, oh, yeah, I read yeah. Donald Miller's Blue Like Jazz, um, and I that was like, all up. <laughs> I know, right? Well, it's, it's actually, it's like a good book. Right? Oh, no, I, I mean, mean in it, a like, good way. It was, it was, yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, 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 it definitely pushed <laughs> us to be like, oh, like, maybe Republicans are not like the right <laughs> political party to align with, you know, um, so that was like the beginning of my, like, that's where my deconstruction like really started to roll, but I would be a Christian for several years after that. Um, eventually I read George Barna's uh, Pagan Christianity, which is like a deconstruction of like institutional church. Um, and it was talking about how like Barna is a, like Barna group collects statistics on Christianity. So he was like realizing that all these people were leaving church and starting house churches. And then he like started digging into it and was like, really there's no, there's no like foundational text for how we do church now in the Bible. So it was like, I, I read that book and it like deconstructed like church buildings, pastors, lay, like the pastor lay person, like dichotomy, all of that kind of shit. And I was like, oh, this is like a, the next logical step for me. And the, like all the while, like anytime I come into like new, a new way of viewing the Bible, I'm like so amped about it. You know, it's like, if it makes sense and it's like, and it like went against sort of the problems that I was like internally detecting with the church, like I was like on board. So I was 20, let's see, that was 2009. So I was 22. Um, I had just gotten engaged and I started this house church. And the way that I did it was like so wild. It's like so weird to think about in hindsight, but I, made this really bad like knockoff Numa video um, and posted it to Facebook. And the response to it was like, it was basically just a video that was like, took this passage in first or second Corinthians, I don't remember which one, where like Paul is like, is like talking about how like these early Christians, there were already schisms in the church, which like to me now is hilarious because it's like they didn't even make it like 30 years in before they had a schism, <laughs> you know. But it's like he's talking about like if you say you follow Paul or you say you follow Jesus or you say you follow Peter, like you're missing the point, like we all need to be right. unified or whatever. So yeah. I like started this church based on like this video based on that like sort of principle and was like trying to start something new that would basically be more organic where like everybody that is there can participate sort of more like Quakerism, but like I wasn't familiar enough with Quakerism at that time to like acknowledge that. And the response to this video is just insane. You can still find it by the way, if anybody really <laughs> wants to dig on Facebook, it's so bad. It's like embarrassing. I can't watch it anymore, but it's still up there. Cause I just think it's so funny, but um, the response was crazy. Like I, I mean, literally people from, all over the United States and Canada were like commenting on this and like friending me. I don't know how many views it got, but it was just like, no, also nobody's using Facebook video then. Like I, the popular like video platform was YouTube at the time. So it was like, yeah, so weird that it like blew up. And like, I was like making friends in Canada and like all over the, the you know, North America that were like trying to do this organic church thing. Um, and then like all of these people that I didn't know that were like toxic theology, just like, you know, like sticklers, like got on there and started arguing with the people that were excited about it. And it just like turned into this. It was like my first exposure to like how terrible the internet can be. And like, I was just like, the result of that was that I got super depressed, but the response to the video Aww. was so big. I had set the date for the first meeting to January 9th. And like New Year's Eve is when like all this arguing started happening and my, like all of my gusto just like died instantly. Like, and I, I didn't get it back for over a year. Like I was super depressed after that. But then this like church meet, the first meeting happened and like 50 people showed up in my basement. So it's just like, okay, like 
I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm 22. <laughs> like all these people expect me to like sort of be a pastor, but I literally started this to not be a pastor. So it's like, it was such a mess, but I don't know. It was like a nice community. Like it lasted a long time. It obviously didn't stay 50 people forever. It, it went doodled down to like 20 or 25, but yeah, I ran this house church for like two and a half, three years until I moved to the city. And it was just such a weird experience, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was not ready for it. <laughs> what What was like the, like what made you end it or did it fizzle out? Like how did that conclude? It just kind of fizzled because I moved like in the, at the time I lived in North County, which is about a half hour from where I live now. And when I moved to the city, it was like a lot of the people that attended, it was just like too far of a drive to be like practical for what we were doing and I was just kind of done with it because like basically like the people that I wanted to be a part of it were not it's not like they were really they were like really great people but it was just not the vision that I had for it so it was like I didn't I wasn't really getting anything out of it personally I was just like giving a lot for a long time and I was it was very draining um I, so I feel like I feel like you're you're like sensing a little bit in there of like this this vibe that we all had when we were in that system where you have to like everybody so you like right. oh, for sure. serve yeah. even if it's not your people or even if you don't 100%. like the people you're like staying until it fizzles out because you feel like you have to 100 percent, and it's and also like when i when i first got the idea i was like so like it just felt like it was god telling me to do this so once it like got shitty, it was like, well, I can't quit now because like God told me to do this. Wait, the, the Numa like, video or the 50 people showing up in your basement? All of it. I mean, all of it. Yeah, it was like, yeah. start a house church. How are you going to do it? Make a shitty Numa video. That whole time <laughs> I was just like, just had so much momentum and was like so stoked. And then, yeah, I was just like, it probably, the, I mean, the most depressed I've been in my life for the next year after the, after the church started and I just had to like kind of grin and bear it so it was bad you know <laughs> it yeah. was really bad and it was what also was... my senior year of college and I was just getting my ass kicked at school because I couldn't pay attention because I wasn't motivated so hmm. depression is like really all-encompassing especially like with yeah. a huge disappointment and feeling like pressure to do something you don't really feel into you know from a a God who has your life in his hands. What was that like as far as like your personal relationship, I say in quotes, with like God or divine? Like what was your, what was that like for you? Were you like solid in your faith or was this like a time? Cause I know you mentioned earlier something about like um, in college, you had a couple different experiences. How did that line up with this season for you? Totally, yeah. So I was definitely like super committed still at that point. I just like sort of like, latched on to this sort of like Jobian like God is just testing like this is a trial like mm -hmm. not not so much God is testing me but like more like the Christian life is not about feeling good so that the fact that I don't feel good isn't what really matters you know it's like more important that I'm doing the work um which is like uh, so toxic hurt. right yeah, I know it's like so bad it's so painful in hindsight yeah. but like you know I mean that's how we used to think and it's, yeah. I mean, it didn't really have an alternative way of looking at it. There was no other way to look at it. You know, I mean, right. it's like every major figure in the Bible went through some really shitty stuff. So it's like, okay, I'm just, this is, this is what that is for me, you know? Uh, but it was, it was deeply confusing. Um, I definitely felt betrayed. I definitely felt abandoned by God. But the interesting thing is that, the thing that led me out of that was my discovery of mysticism, but it's really weird because it was like an accident. Uh, so I was like so tired of being depressed. I was like fed up and I was like, what have I not tried? So one day I just like decided to sit on my floor in my bedroom. I still lived at my parents' house and just like try to quiet my thoughts as much as possible and just like acknowledge the existence of God and like see where that led me and that was the mm -hmm. first time that I did what you might call like or what Christian what Christian mystics would call contemplation what I would in hindsight call meditation or yeah some some maybe some form of like manifestation or something like that but it was like 
I had this, like it was in that like super quietude that I started to find like relief from my depression. And I took that to mean that God was like teaching, like teaching me that, teaching me contemplation basically. But I didn't know what it was at the time. And there, so there was another friend's dad who ended up being sort of a father figure for me for the next like five or six years. I met, I met up with him because he was doing a similar like house church type thing. Um, mm-hmm. And he started talking about contemplation and he had this, they had this like uh, mystic prayer group that he invited me to. And I was like, oh, this is what I've been doing for the past like two months. Mm. Uh, but I just didn't have any language for it. So that was, that was also like, I mean, you can't have an experience like that and not feel like it's affirming what you're doing right so it's like from that point I was like oh I'm I'm basically a Christian mystic now and then I discovered the mystic like the Catholic mystics and it's Mm -hmm. like the way I always describe it is that like evangelicalism is like this deep you know I guess this is audio so I'm like four inches you know four (laughs) inches deep yeah and then Catholic mysticism was just like through the floor deep like it's just like totally different like Mm -hmm. like it's stuff that I would still a lot of it I would still affirm now as yeah. like my experiences with meditation and like with yoga and, and shit like that. So it was like an introduction to something really important, but it also kept me like inside the Christian fence for another five, four or five years, probably. Mm. Uh, so it's like, it's, it's the good with the bad, I guess. But I discovered John of the Cross, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Uh, John of the Cross is like this, he's this uh, 15th century mystic that wrote The Dark Night of the Soul, um, which is like this deeply mystic, like, it's like barely Christian, you know, (laughs) perspective um, of like, when you are maturing spiritually, how you go through this period of like dryness, where you like can't understand what you're experiencing, but what you're actually experiencing is like the inner parts of God that are like too big and confusing for us to like comprehend when we first experience it. it it's, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> it's really I, I, interesting shit. It's like a, he wrote a poem like and then the, the whole work is him like analyzing his own poem. It's a, it's a really good <laughs> crazy man. Yeah. I want to look it up. I'm fascinated by that. I you even, should, like, you should definitely. It's very good. Even hearing you say that, like, um, I've been thinking a lot about the the concept that like we we draw like energetically we pull things towards us that we need and mm-hmm. are are also drawn to things that we need. So the fact that you like without having any prior knowledge to it sat down and did something you needed that other people then you learned how to name for it is so like a lot of people would call that God, but like I feel like that's just like your body, your energy, like drawing to you exactly what you needed. Definitely, which is, yeah. Which in 100%. itself is just like so mystical and fantastic. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. I'm just curious, like that you said you were in this phase of like mysticism for like four or five years. That's that's a significant amount of time to be doing like uh, spending time with yourself and like actually a very in my opinion a very beautiful space to be in like very like expansive you're allowed to think about all these possibilities and it doesn't really like hem you in very much what was it that like sparked you from moving on from that you mean like when I like fully deconstructed my faith yeah or whatever you'd call it like moving into whatever you are now like what was it that helped like had you transition again yeah, that's a good question. So during that time period, I got married. Um, and I like for sure should not have gotten married. You know, I mean, I, I got married when I was 22. I was like days from turning 23, but like still like extremely young. Very young. Um, and like our marriage was like, in so many ways, it was like so tricky to navigate because the things that a lot of couples struggle with were like so easy for us. But then there was like, basically in the realm of sexuality, we were just like both such broken people from purity mm. culture, from like being a part of purity culture for so long that it just like was not working as a marriage. It was like a really good friendship and not a great marriage, you know? Mm. Um, and that was like just sort of bubbling under the surface the whole time. And I was like trying to figure out how to make that work but like even within christian mysticism like sexual purity is is like overplayed you know what i mean 
even in the more like mysterious like depths of the like weirdest parts of Christianity, it's like there is still this overemphasis on on sexual purity because the Bible is like so obsessed with it. So I was trying to heal my sexuality, but I, but I was trying to heal it by forcing it into this you know like box that doesn't work that works for like maybe ten percent of the population, you know. Uh, right. And it was just not it was just not working. And I, you know, went through these like long periods of depression. There was a period of time where my sexuality, like my sexual wounds, like manifested themselves in the form of me, like being completely obsessed with like a close friend of ours that like, I realized later that, that this person represented the intersection of like relational closeness, intimacy, and sexuality, which is not something that it's like a very common problem with purity culture survivors, mm -hmm. right? Is that like like it's romantic or intimate relationships and sexual relationships can't like they don't go together because right. you you view intimacy as pure and you view sexuality as bad, so you can't like yeah. put them together. And this was like the first person that I had like both of those feelings towards. So I was just like hyper fixated for years, and it's terrible. All that to say, like my marriage dissolved. And my marriage was like such a big faith step for me. The moment I realized, so I had this trip to Europe and I witnessed this like post-Christian culture that was like so much more advanced than American mm. culture and like so much more healed in so many ways. And yeah. then I came back to America and it like, there's this moment where I was sitting on my back porch and I realized that like my marriage was going to fail. And it wasn't, we weren't like talking about it or anything. Like it wasn't, in the conversation at that point, but it was just like, unless X, Y, and Z things change, my marriage is going to fail. And if my marriage fails, then I can't believe in God because I did this for God. And so it should be working or it like should be benefiting both of us in some meaningful way, but it's like destroying both of us. So it was like, I had to just dump the whole thing at that point. And I ended up dumping like the mystic aspect too, because it's like, you can't, it was too intertwined in my concept of, of the Christian God for me to like hold on to it. So I sort of became a hard materialist for several years after that. Only recently started thinking spiritually again. Yeah, there's a, there's such a huge emphasis on heterosexual marriage in like in all of <laughs> all of their Christian culture. Like it's the pinnacle of everything. I mean, that's what they say Song of Solomon is about. They like talk about the church as the bride, like these are like all very specific encompassing like when you get married you become the church you know a representation of the church and your kids so are pressure. the fruit and there's there is so much pressure to have a very specific kind of relationship and experience and i imagine that feel, feels like really devastating to like have gone into that with that expectation and then be like where the like i did everything yeah. right i did everything right, right. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, I was, I mean, I was a virgin when I got married. It was like, all of the things were in place. So I was like, okay, this should be working better than it is. You know, it was like really clear. Hmm. I'm curious, because a lot of people in those situations are like talking to like Christian counselors and therapists. Were you, were either of you talking with someone who was like guiding you or? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like we had a really close relationship with the father figure that I mentioned earlier was the pastor of and like use the term pastor fairly loosely of a like small like organic pretty close-knit community so we were really close to him and his wife and several other people in that community that sort of guided us but none of them were like qualified to you know and they would admit that now like i mean like he stopped doing counseling several years ago because he was like oh i shouldn't be doing this you know <laughs> uh but it's like what do you you know what do you do but that's what we had um, we, we very brief, I think we had one session with a relationship counselor towards the end, like before we got separated, but it was like, shit was like too messy at that point. Um, so it just like, didn't really lead to anything, you know? Yeah. What, like through, through all of this, like, what do you feel like, I guess I have like two different questions here. What I really want to know is like, because like a dissolution of like an entire belief system even though it's been over the course of a long time it leaves a lot of or can leave a lot of holes in your view of the world your view of yourself what are some values you've like developed in yourself since leaving that have helped you 
like mm. ground yourself and anchor into like you know who Chuck Carson is right now. Yeah, that's such a good question um, and such an important question. And there's no way I could answer it in the inside of a podcast. But yeah, I, know. <laughs> um, I can definitely no, that's totally fine, though. Um, I can definitely tell you where I started, <clears throat> which is um, I came up with this, I guess you could call it a mantra or a phrase or just like, a you know, like bare bones, like I had nothing when I when I stopped believing in God, I had no foundation for my worldview whatsoever, you know? Mm. Um, like I didn't understand psychology. I didn't understand neuroscience. I didn't understand. And like, I had a better understanding of that stuff than most people that call themselves Christians. And I was still completely lost. You know, I didn't yeah. have a good grasp on like philosophy or like ethics or any of that. But what I came up with was I want to live in a way that is happy and healthy for me and happy and healthy for the people around me. And sometimes there are things that are healthy, but not happy. Sometimes there are things that are happy and not healthy and you have to navigate those gray areas. But like principally it was that simple phrase of like, is this, is this harmful to me? Is it harmful to somebody else? And does this, does this make me feel good? Does it make somebody else feel good? And that's where I started. And then I just sort of built from there. I don't really know where I went next from that. I mean, I think I just started learning basic theology or basic uh, uh, psychology. A big part of the reason that I deconstructed was because back in the day, I was what you, what Christians would call a porn addict, which I don't. He's doing air quotes. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing air quotes for porn addict. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I, the conversation now in the secular world is like half of the world believes that it's an addiction and half of the world doesn't. I have like a, opinions on that, but like it, that's a side note. But anyway, I went to this recovery group for like porn addicts, quote unquote. What I ended up taking away from this like, Christian group was like this at this Presbyterian church. And they had taken this like psychologist who studied compulsive porn use and they had like a like basically adapted it. This guy named Laser, I can't think of his first name, something Laser, adapted it to like an evangelical like worldview. And what I, my biggest takeaway from that whole experience was like, A, there's no intimacy in church whatsoever. Like the intimacy that we had in that recovery group was like so much deeper. Like the, the level of honesty was so much stronger. Um, so it was like, okay, there's like this thing that's like radical intimacy that you can have with people where you're like completely honest and there's no judgment and that's huge. Mm -hmm. But then the other thing was like, oh, I, I grew more from learning modern psychology for two years from this group than I ever learned from like praying or, or reading the Bible or like belief in God or like any of the things that I learned about how to affect my sexuality in a positive way. Like, I, I learned more in a month of like reading this book than I did in all of my years in Christianity. So like <laughs> had to deconstruct that. So, that yeah, so I think my, you know what, honestly, no, it wasn't okay. because at that point, I think at that point I was like pretty, I was starting to be aware that it was bullshit. You know what I mean? Like I was starting to be quietly aware, like I wouldn't admit it out loud, but I was really wrestling with like, is this bullshit or not? And that really affirmed that. So I was, I was not at all surprised because it was like, I see my secular friends getting on fine, you know, and I'm like <laughs> suffering about the fact that I watch porn, you know, and it's like, okay, calm down, you know, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. all of that to say, like, I think the next step after I came up with that mantra was learning psychology and just hmm. like trying to embrace or what is a normal human mind and how do I fit into that? And how do I not? And what does that mean for me? You know, and it's like, Hmm. then I started yeah then I started to grow from that and I think that was the most effective thing for the next probably four or five years and still is you know I'm obviously yeah. still studying that obviously like these are these are all intertwined but like I mean within within how we were raised there's definitely a negative view of your own humanity in general and psychology is generally like a neutral view of humanity um what or, or like i would even argue most psychology comes from the perspective that we're inherently good and that when we engage um, in negative 
behavior, acting out behavior, it's because of something that it's not because of us. It's because of something that is amiss, you know? Yeah, for sure. I guess, um, I guess my question is like, what has the journey for you been like from believing that you're like an evil, wicked person with a quote unquote porn addiction and fucked up your marriage that was supposed to be the temple of God or, you know, all of that, like guilt and shame and all of this shit. What has the journey been like for you to like, to be in a place where you like deeply care about yourself and like value yourself as a person to be pursuing things that you love and giving back to the people around you and having even this philosophy of like happy and healthy for yourself and for those around you that's that's very generous and also very caring for yourself I'm just curious like your what was it that helped you on the journey to be where you are now with that kind of self-worth totally yeah that's a really good question I think some people have like a much like a uh, more gradual like decline of belief than I did like when I decided I mean I was literally sitting on my back porch and I was like, I don't believe in the Christian God anymore. And that was it. Like, it was like, I already knew what that meant. I just like flipped a switch in my mind. And I was like, okay, anything that I believe that is like exclusively Christian, I'm just going to dump it. And if I can find a reason to believe it, that is outside of the Bible says, then I will, I might readopt it or it might not, you know, it immediately became like, a journey of self-acceptance and a journey of saying like, no, I'm okay. You know, I, I guess like it kind of started before I actually decided I wasn't a Christian because of, again, going back to that, that uh, porn recovery group is like so much of the work that we were trying to do was moving away from viewing quote unquote sexual sin as a, this like monumental all encompassing like negative thing and just viewing it as like, you either are engaged in behaviors you don't want to be or you're not. And like trying to make it amoralize it in a way, like not make it about right and wrong, but just make it about like, what can you do to positively affect your behavior? Stop viewing it as like, right, as like good and bad, you know? And like, shift the, away the, from shame. that was like such a huge emphasis of the program was like the shame cycle. It was like, you are just, you're making your circumstances worse by experiencing shame every time you do this. You know, once I deconstructed, I was like, cool, I can watch porn and not feel bad about it. But like, it was like, also, you know, much more uh, existential than that, because it's like, oh, now I can just be and not feel bad about it. You know, like, there's all <laughs> kinds of shit. There's all kinds of shit that I can do. It's like, you know, I, I sort of went on a, a path of like I went way into the like intentional community, sort of like Christian aesthetic direction for a while, which I honestly think is what Jesus was teaching. It's just like very few people actually take any interest in those passages in the Bible. <laughs> but it was like, I, I also experienced a long period of like financial guilt where it's like, well, I want an iPhone, but I, but if I spend money on an iPhone, that's like money that should go to people that have less than me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's like, once I deconstructed, it was like, no, I mean, like, in order to motivate myself to take care of other people, I have to like give myself something. I have to be like motivated, you know? So mm. yeah, it just, it just like became, uh, I just like flipped a switch of like, let me just test all of the waters. Like, let me test the sexual waters. Let me test the financial waters. Let me test the, like, I don't pray anymore waters, you know? And it's <laughs> like, let me test the, like, get this God out of my head waters. And like, if my life, like, quickly becomes notably worse than like maybe I'm off base but I have a feeling it's not going to you know so it was yeah it was just like in a, a journey of exploration at a pace that I was comfortable with you know oh yeah let me try pot you know it's like all of this shit I realized that like if I stop believing in this like invisible sky dad that like is mad at me for wanting certain things that I don't I no longer feel bad or, or experience negative repercussions from those things. So, hmm. and, and then if I do, then I know that it's me because it's like, that's a journey too. Cause like you, it takes a long time to get God out of your head, but yeah, at least like that was a way for me to test the waters and like, let me just be honest with myself about how I actually feel about this. And if I don't feel bad about it, then why do I, Mm. And you're bringing it, you're bringing it back to happy and healthy. 
for people around you. Absolutely. You're just measuring things through your own, your own like values now. Totally. And it's like so much better. It like quickly was clear that it was so much better. I had this moment where a lot of my life has taken place on my back, like important moments in my life took place on my back porch next to this tree that I have like a kind of a relationship with, not in like too much of a woo-woo type of hokey way, but just like I've done a lot of stuff under this, like important things under this tree. And I had this moment where I was like looking at this tree and I was like, I can appreciate this tree for just being a fucking tree it's there and I'm here and I'm experiencing the tree and it's really cool. And I do not have to acknowledge that God made the tree. Like I, I can just leave God out of it. And my experience of the tree is like so much more exciting. You know what I mean? And it's like <laughs> yeah. that with a bunch of stuff. It's like that with sexuality. It's like that with sunsets. It's just like it, being able to like actualize it and embrace it for what it is, is like so much more profound than being like, wow, God made a beautiful painting on the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Because, because you're not, you're not forcing it. Your reaction is natural. Your, your worship or awe of something is natural and second nature to you. The, the trying to make sure that you're not pissing someone off was a secondary thing. Exactly. Uh, just like make yeah. sure that God isn't mad that you're acknowledging God or that you're, you know, you're abusive. Right. God knows that you appreciate the sunset or whatever. That element is all gone. Yeah. And it's just like, well, damn this tree. Like, yes. wow. Yeah. yeah. Look yeah. at it. <laughs> right. Right. And, the, and, and then it's like, enough. it's also like the tree is like me in that it, it exists. And it's like, it has found itself in this, you know, place in my backyard as I have just found myself in this world without like really doing anything in particular to be here. So it's mm-hmm. like, now I have this like familiarity and oneness with like nature and with other people and with the sunset mm-hmm. and with the stars or whatever. And it's not, I'm not being like hokey, right? It's just like, we are made of shit that was forged in stars millions of miles away. And it's like, we are in some sense part of that. And it's way cooler to just be like, I'm like that star created me in some sense than it is to be like this, like God that they have to put all of this, like intellectual baggage onto made me. And I don't really fully understand why And life kind of sucks, but he's like, okay with that for some reason, you know, it's like so much easier to just be like, I'm here on accident, you know? I I love that because I, this is going to happen. Like this is the third time this has come up in conversation with me talking to someone on this podcast already. But like one of my favorite thoughts is realizing that we're on a rock, like flying through space. And that (laughs) like, like the fact that we are able to like see trees and appreciate them or have conversations like this in and of itself is fucking mind blowing. It's mind blowing. It's more beautiful than any other explanation. Yeah, In fact, it, that there like almost isn't one. <laughs> yes, ex- yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's like the mystery is so much more exciting than having an answer. You know what yes. I mean? Like contemplating yes. the possibilities of how we got here and why we're here is like so much more exciting mm-hmm. and fulfilling than like being handed answers. Yes, because we were meant. We were meant to like wonder and figure things out and i i think we will continue to understand and figure things out with science later on down the line that we have no fucking clue for right now so we call them magic which is fine i i think our curiosity is and our ability to come up with meaning is one of the most amazing things about humans and i think that dumbing that down and giving us like cookie cutter answers is stifling our ability to to be fully self-actualized beings because we're we're stopping ourselves from like really expanding and going like figuring things out and really solving problems that need to be solved in the world yeah right 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 because we're losing our creativity yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah and that's like sort of the one of the biggest things that it took me forever to articulate i'm so glad you said that in my deconstruction is that like Christianity gives you a subset of things to be concerned with, whereas like the world does not work that way. It's like what we need to be concerned with is what is what is the problems are in front of us, right? I mean, so it's like global warming is like such a great example because the Bible doesn't concern itself at all with like environmental issues or like very little. Like you can kind of stretch a few passages to be concerned with environmental stuff, but it's like 
no, that is like our biggest existential problem right now. But Christians don't think it's important because the Bible doesn't like present it as important. Oh, and so I'm gonna, I'm like, gonna, I'm gonna fucking go off because like, go ahead, do it. The, the biggest, the biggest. Oh, uh, okay. This is like my biggest pet peeve. This is the biggest thing that I work on myself with. I work on my clients with is connection to your body because your body knows. Your body knows what the problems are in the environment. The closer you get to your body, your body desires the earth and desires to care for the planet. It's natural. And your body Mm -hmm. is aware of the problems in your environment. But Christianity specifically tells us that our bodies are evil and that they're harmful, dangerous, sinful. So we cut ourselves off and then we disassociate from our bodies from abuse, trauma, these teachings. And so we have such a journey to get back to that in order to truly see what the problems are around us but i feel like the the more we heal that connection to our to our own bodies and come back into ourselves the earth will literally be speaking to us like the earth holds the teachings that we need we need the people our first nations people we need to be listening to them because they're close yeah. to the earth and right we listen to each other when we are able to be in our bodies right ah, okay yes i'm done 100 <laughs> percent. yeah no no that's oh my god that's such a good that's such a good rant i appreciate you saying that <laughs> for sure yeah that's so good it, it you really yeah you really nailed it like our bodies do tell us they teach us so much but we hello everyone christina carlson here if you've left your religion behind and feel uncertain what your direction or purpose is now Or if you're feeling like you're having trouble accessing your personal power and getting in touch with your intuition, I would love to chat with you. I'm a life coach and I specifically work with people who have left religion to find their purpose and reconnect with themselves. Please click the link in the show notes to learn more or just head to christinamcarlson.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-M-C-A-R-L-S-O-N.com. Thank you so much. Now back to the show. So, okay, so part of the reason that I had to dump mystic, Christian mysticism is because of that particular thing. It's like in Christian mysticism, when you meditate, when you contemplate, when you study, it's like you are supposed to be reducing yourself and and like experiencing God. And like, so there's this, uh, there's a concept in Christian mysticism. It's like, I can't think of the terminology, but basically like, it's a three-step process where it's like you invite God in to clean your space, right? And then once the space is clean, you dwell in the space and you acknowledge the connection with God through your space having been cleaned and through you having invited God into the space. And then the goal is to experience oneness with God. So then the space becomes God, right? And the space is you, the space is your person. And so it's like this process of, it's like beautiful in that it is in a sense, reaching out to the universe and trying to connect with it. Right. But the problem with it is that it's doing that to reduce yourself, but it's like, you can't reduce yourself if you are part of the universe, in my opinion. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like, why would you reduce yourself if you are part of the thing that you're trying to like become? Right. That would be counterproductive. It's counterproductive, right? And so it's like, even in Christian mysticism, which is like much closer to the Buddhism, to Taoism, to, you know, uh, Sufism or Kabbalah, it's still in denial of the like beauty within yourself and the, the beauty of the fact that you exist in the first place. So yeah, I had, that's like my biggest qualm with Christian mysticism and why I think it's of all of the mysticisms, it's probably the most misguided, <laughs> at least as far as I'm aware. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know anything about Christian mysticism. I, I claimed when I, when I left uh, progressive Christianity, I claimed the word mystic for a while because I like mystery. So I like, I like <laughs> sub, sub call myself like a natural mystic, and I'm like, I probably shouldn't say that because I don't know what the word mystic means. I just like being <laughs> to the trees. <laughs> right that's pretty mystic to, i think you if you talk to trees you can probably call yourself a mystic that's fine we're okay with that we're okay okay <laughs> um Definitely. Yeah, for sure. I <laughs> oh i want to keep i want to keep talking about the the future here um yeah for sure i would love to hear about like 
uh, if you have a spiritual practice now, and if so, what is that like? Oh. <laughs> yeah, totally. This is an interesting question because I've been trying to figure out like how much of my spiritual practice I'm gonna like reveal publicly. Um, okay. Because the like life after fans are like so, so many of them are like really hard materialism, and by that I mean if anybody doesn't know what I mean by hard materialism, I mean like the belief that there is nothing beyond what is observable. I think that our particular fan base is like catered, is like tilted toward us because of, because we've had a pretty hard materialist like worldview on the show. Um, and we've had like, we've had guests on that like get into spiritual practice, but like it's never been emphasized. Um, and I think a lot of people that are going through the process of deconstruction are recently deconstructed really have to like do that for a while i mean i know i had to um where it was like i really don't believe anything that i can't see or hear or touch or smell you know so it was like i went through a strong period of like skepticism should i explain what i mean by a spiritual because i think it might yeah, be go for it. I mean, it might be different than what you're thinking Totally, totally, totally. Um, Go ahead. For me, uh, I kind of consider like a spiritual practice anything that connects your mind, body, and like general spirit, like spirit being like the deepest part of your emotions. So mm -hmm. like something that brings you into like whole connectedness with yourself. So totally, that could totally. that could be yoga or meditation. And I would consider right. that a spiritual practice. That could be a daily run with your daughter. Like it, yeah, it's very unique to yourself and doesn't need to be something uh, a, a divine or intangible, but rather totally. magical in your own experience of it. Right, right, right. Yeah, I yes, and like one hundred percent agree with that. I have only recently started venturing into like thinking of spirituality as something like slightly beyond that. Um, mm -hmm. in that, like, there might, there might be things outside of myself that I don't understand that I can interact with. Um, yeah. but that, I think that's probably all I'm going to say about that right now. Yeah. But in terms of spiritual practice, yeah, definitely meditation, uh, has been massive. I mean, just like massive for me. Um, I think that every deconstructing Christians should meditate regularly because it is this process of understanding your body for the first time and yes. like not resisting your body and not resisting what's happening in it. And like, hmm. I mean, like there was a time in my life where if somebody asked me like, what does your hand feel like right now? I would say nothing because it's not touching anything. You know what I mean? It's just like suspended in, in the air, but it's like, yeah. now I'm like, Oh, well, I, I mean, I feel things in my bones. I feel things in my muscles and my sinews I feel the air on the outside of my hand I feel you know heat I feel coolness I feel sweat glands you know doing things like all of this yeah. and it's like I did not have that at all when I was a Christian like I was like completely unaware of what was happening in my body meditation for me has been this this process of like like what has really been effective for me is body scan meditations um so I use the Calm app quite a bit. I have a lot of different things that I use for practices now, but um, I have the Calm app and there's a, a body scan. There's like a 20 minute body scan on there that I do ideally every day. I probably like accurately do it like five times a week or something like that. But it starts at the top of your head and then it moves into, you know, your face, your temples, your ears, your neck, your shoulders, it just goes down through the whole thing. And it's just, what is happening? What are you experiencing in this part of your yeah. body at this moment? And the the cool thing about, about spiritual practices is that it's like, when you start the journey, you have all these people telling you like, this will help you, but you don't really understand what you're getting into yet. Because it's yeah. like, when I first started meditating, it was like, all it was like so much focus on like trying to control monkey mind and just like trying to yeah. keep my thoughts on what I was doing and now it's like this like experience of like I feel this like I feel these this energy in different parts of my body and like I'm trying to evenly distribute this energy and find like a balance of energy in my body and it's like mm -hmm. I didn't 
nobody like taught me that, you know, I mean, like there's right. so many teachings on the energetic body, but nobody taught me that. I just discovered it because I was meditating, you know, it was like, oh, I can push yeah. energy into my hands and my hands now feel different than they did before I quote unquote push energy into it. What is that energy? I don't know. Is it in my <laughs> head? Maybe. But like, I feel much better after I like do this process of like acknowledging it. You know what I mean? I feel yeah. more organized. I feel clear headed. I feel less scrambled. Um, and I feel like way more comfortable in my body. So it's like, okay, I'm going to keep doing that. Like, it's, I'm not going to not do that if it, if it makes me feel this much better afterward. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I think that the nice part about um, meditation for people who are in a, I forget what you called it, materialistic space is that there's, there is so much scientific evidence supporting meditation's effects on a person's brain and definitely, psychological yeah. health. It's, it's like scientifically provable so there's no right. there's no real room for like mystic like it is mystical it it is an experience that is mystical and is provable with science so it feels, it, it can feel safe if you're still in that space yes that's the word is it's like a very safe place to start as far as spiritual practice goes and what you discover by just doing it from a completely secular materialist standpoint is like something more meaningful than that um, one of the things that like totally broke me that like, like broke my brain in a way was this, um, I, I like had heard like whisperings of this, but I had to look it up myself. There's a video. Well, I mean, there's several videos because a bunch of people have studied this, um, these Tibetan monks that will go, they'll like, they, so they wear these like cloaks all the time. Right. Or like, I guess it's like something like a habit. They'll, they'll go out into the Himalayan mountains and like, and like, get like super cold and they'll like get their garments like drenched in cold water they'll go back inside and they'll sit and meditate in like a group and after like a few minutes they're they're they raise their body temperatures so much that the that steam starts to come off of their like clothes right what? and i was just like watching this video this like one this like legit news story about this like people are like studying it scientifically like there's a monk that um that does like these these um, like aura massages, but his hands get up to like 115 or 120 degrees or something. And it's like, I was just like, okay. I was like, okay, I am sold at that point. Like, I was just like, there's no, like, I don't, I don't know what that is or like what that means, but like, I wanted, I wanna know more about that. You know, <laughs> the hints that there's something real and meaningful there are like available, but it's totally up to you to like, take the deep dive if you want to understand it you know yeah I think I think the most important thing in that whole process is just like really following where your where your body is leading you like in meditation or in anything spiritual if you feel drawn to it be curious be cautious be mm -hmm. curious and see where it goes because because like if you are getting in touch with your body through meditation you are going to know if something is right for you or mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's not, you know? Yeah. So I really needed some help with, like when I started to become a little bit more curious about, about spiritual practices, there was this like very real part of me, part of my body that was like, okay, but how are you going to avoid something like Christianity? You know, like how, like, how do you know you're not getting sucked into another oppressive system of spirituality? Um, and so the, the sort of, idea that I adopted is that I'm just anti-dogma. What I mean by that is that, how do, where do I even start with this? So I think the biggest mistake that humans make, like historically, in the realm of spirituality is that you have the mystic experience, which is like a real thing that happens. So it's like, maybe it's your Christian conversion experience, right? It's like some people have these like really intense, really like deeply meaningful experiences of forgiveness or of you know feeling renewed or feeling like a, an intense sense of purpose and you sort of like you know you break down and you like quote unquote pray the prayer and like it's like this whole experience yeah and it's like you you get hung up on that for so long because it's like that's so real how do you yeah. get around that but the mistake is that like there's immediately somebody there to hand you a bible and say like here's what that means mm -hmm. you know what i mean like what you just experienced here's the definition of it and mm -hmm. and then like the even bigger mistake is, say, is to say, like, don't believe anything that is outside of 
what the book that I'm giving you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like the mystic experience, as soon as somebody starts to try to define the mystic experience in any sort of like concrete terms or like tries to apply uh, personality to it or tries to apply specific traits to it, that's when I'm like, no, man, like you're, you're missing the point. Like the point is the mystery and you have to be comfortable with that. So it's like if you experience profound forgiveness in your Christian conversion experience, like maybe that was you forgiving yourself or maybe that was the universe reminding you that you are okay. Or maybe that is just like a, like maybe it's just a profound experience of like looking at yourself and saying like, I couldn't, you know, I cannot be perfect. It is okay to be myself. And then don't immediately take that and say like, here's what, here's what sin is. Here's a list of the traits of like the God that just forgave you. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, like embrace that. And I think that that's huge because, and this is like one of the things that I'm trying to get into in the work that I've been doing recently is the idea of reconciling your Christian experience by taking the, the things that were mystic, that were meaningful, that were like, that were like actually nourishing you and acknowledging that those were good things while rejecting the dogma and the things that were harmful. And that's like such, that's like such a big hard process mm-hmm. because there's so much, especially if like you and me just grew up in church and we're in it for, you know, for me, 25 years. Yeah. Same. But like go, the, the ability to go back and say like, no, that profound experience of forgiveness that I had was real and meaningful and i can i can take that and like apply my own meaning to it now and and like reject whatever was harmful to me mm-hmm. at the same time instead of just taking the whole experience and like tossing it out i mean it's like yeah. the baby in the bathwater analogy but it's like so much more complicated that within that because there's like fifty thousand babies and fifty thousand <laughs> you know baths that you have to sort through <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely i I think a huge part of that is, is like trusting your own process, because if you're not ready to do that, that's fine too. You know, cause like you might come back to it and you might not, and just trusting your own process in that is important. I think um, my approach to spirituality, which has helped is I, I have a similar belief around like happy and healthy in that. I don't, I don't want to have a belief that will cause me to cause harm to others because certain Mm -hmm. beliefs are harmful to others. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that in place for me, but then also I don't, but I also believe that spiritual experiences are for you. Like Mm -hmm. I, you cannot have a spiritual experience or anything for someone else. That is impossible. Um, The dogma comes in for me when you say like, I believe this, you should too, because that is never healthy because your spirituality in my, my, mind and belief comes from within you it is your comes from your personal values your personal essence what really matters to you personally and then is like an outflowing of your interaction with your world and the universe around you so it would be absolutely bonkers to have a spiritual experience and say like now everyone do this like that's that is religion yes. and that is yes. that is harmful because it is forcing something external on someone else mm-hmm. when spirituality and essence and your purpose and your meaning and being here and what you want to do all comes from inside of you from your body yeah definitely hard agree um and it's like yeah and i can you know i'm on this podcast like touting meditation and like yoga practices like super meaningful and healing and like i say the sentence like i think every deconstructing christian should practice meditation but i don't mean that you know what i mean i don't mean yeah. you have to you know it's yeah. like when somebody says that meditation doesn't work for them my brain is like well i mean just keep keep trying it you know but it's <laughs> like if you don't want to do it don't fucking do it like it's right it's your it's your body and it's your life and it's like don't don't take anything as like you know the gospel truth yeah well when you say stuff like that you're trusting another person's autonomy you're you're saying yes you're trusting their ability to say that's not for me right now because you you have the ability to say this is actually like a powerful scientifically proven thing that could potentially help you and i trust you to know 
to say no if this is not something for you because you're not in Definitely. an environment where you're oppressing people to do this particular thing you know it's just yeah. a like I think this is great and I think it could be great yes. for a lot of people because it yeah, is yeah but there's a there's a, like a level of trust that you have to like give to people and you have to trust that people have with you this autonomy that we were not taught within religion where you can say no and you do say no and you trust that other people can say no to you and everyone's okay <laughs> oh my god yeah what a what a high concept oh my god consent consent <laughs> never heard of it <laughs> wild dude yeah consent autonomy and respect yeah that's that's relearning relationship after religion <laughs> yes yeah, for sure maybe learning it for the first time i think actually yeah <laughs> it's a lot to what take in you when you're not five 100 <laughs> percent. yeah it is a lot <laughs> um i think i have one final question for you chuck before i let you go you have such a unique perspective having been someone who you were like you said you were at the forefront of this movement of people who have deconstructed and like so you were like in a house church movement and then the height of people deconstructing, like you've been in like the middle arc of all of this. Um, what advice would you give a person now who is, who has left and is at that place of like, now what? Like I've deconstructed and now I want to move forward. What advice would you give someone? Oh yeah. Such a good question. Um, start to meet yourself like like you have not been given permission to listen to yourself to listen to your intuition to listen to your body to interpret your experiences to make your own autonomous decisions you probably just don't know what you want I know when I first deconstructed, I knew what I didn't want more than I knew what I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I knew I wanted, I, I knew I wanted to like have good sex, you know, it's like, but, but that's like it, like, that's really like, that's, it's as simple as that. Because like, I think church kind of teaches you like a common criticism of people that are leaving Christianity is like, oh, you just want to have sex. Right. And it's like, <laughs> Uh, you know, as, oh my god like as if that's like as if that's like some flippant meaningless like like how could you give up god for sex but it's like sex is amazing not yeah. it's amazing but it's like Worth it. part of it's like in a, an essential part of your human person mm -hmm. you know and it's like even if you're asexual it is still an essential part of your person to like acknowledge that and find out what yes. it means are you mm -hmm. asexual but like romantic are you asexual what does that mean does that mean that you don't want a partner at all does it, you know and it's like yeah it is so essential to our humanity i mean like our brains are hardwired for sex more than literally anything else besides probably eating yeah um and, and it's it is it is essential that our bodies experience sex in a way that works for us and that's just an example but like we were so discouraged from knowing ourselves that it was like actually bad to know yourself and know what you wanted yeah. so the first thing that you need to do is start asking yourself what do you what do i want and how can i give that to myself in a way that's not destructive mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and go from there you know yeah. if you want to have sexual experiences learn about consent and then go have sexual experiences you know if you if you want to you know practice witchcraft like you know read about witchcraft and try a ritual you know what i mean it's like yeah. learn what you want become familiar with your body you know that's why i think meditation is so important because it takes you into your body it mm -hmm. takes you into the present moment which is not that's another thing is like we don't like when you're a christian your head's your head is always in the clouds it's like supposed yeah. to be pray without ceasing right so it's like you're always in this construct space where it's like your brain is making these structures your brain has a definition of god and you are trying to like apply what is happening in your life right now to that construct and it's like meditation awesome. is no construct there there can be no constructs if you're meditating you have to turn off the part of your brain that makes things that aren't real in the material world 
-hmm. and you have to experience what is what's the sound in the room what is what are you looking at what do you see when you close your eyes what are the thoughts that go by what is happening in your feet what's happening in your hands what's happening you know in your back pain why do you have back pain are you holding your shoulder a weird way it's like you become so much more aware when you start honestly asking yourself like what do i want and what am i experiencing and that's like a skill that you don't have and it's like the worst skill not to have <laughs> yeah <laughs> <You know? throat>. yes <laughs> it's so painful not to not to know yourself yeah it's i mean it that was my, what my rant was about the, the disconnection yes. of yourself because it's yes. inhumane to separate a person from their body exactly yeah because it's such a huge part of you yeah obviously <laughs> Yeah, it, it it is you. It is you. <laughs> I would agree with that. Some people would not, but I agree with that. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's in in a way, it's more complex than that. But sure. maybe for a, for a deconstructing Christian, it might be more important to say, "My body is me." You know, yeah, because it's you mine. have to make it so big. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Chuck. I really appreciate your time. Definitely, this is like so much fun. Thank you. Yeah. Hello everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about my life coaching services. If you are someone who is feeling uncertain about your purpose now that you've left religion or uncertain uh, about your personal values and struggling with your personal identity now that you have left, I would love to talk with you. I love working with people to help them understand their body's intuition and trust their own yes and no and figure out who they are now that they have the freedom to do so. It can be such an exciting and exhilarating experience and also a scary one, which is why I think support can be incredibly helpful. I am very gifted in helping people see what they're good at and what they're gifted in doing and contributing to the world. So if that sounds like you, I'd love to hear from you. Please go to ChristinaMCarlson.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-M-C-A-R-L-S-O-N.com. You can schedule a free discovery call and we can talk about what we can work on together. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Religious Renegade podcast. Please like and subscribe to hear more. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Christina Carlson Life Coach. Thank you.